0: In this series trending now as many of you know and we started in the book of jonah and then we went through several hot topics that are trending in our society today and and kind of like went after them and and tried to understand well what does god say what does the bible say about this and today we're back into jonah all right So we're going to end the the series with the next two chapters, chapter 3 and chapter 4. Chapter 3 is today. Chapter 3 of Jonah starts the exact same way as chapter 1. It's very interesting. It's the identical statement, except it's after that three-day weekend Jonah had in the belly of the fish. You know that. Let's watch this recap video, just in case you guys are forgetting a little bit. Um, Let's just watch this video so we, we know where we're at. You don't want me to sing it. <laughs> I feel like they're working on it. I can see the little movement up there. I can't do the it justice like the VeggieTales do. I mean, they have a whole choir. So you literally have to join me up here, and we would all have to do it together. You know, like in High School Musical when then suddenly everyone just breaks out and dance and I wish we could do that. Do you know what that would mean to me? (laughs) Flash mob. All right, I need a little indication of like if we're going to make this work or not. I have like no indication. I can't even see up there. Is this bothering you that we're waiting? I think it's because I like this video so much that I just really want it to work. So in light of that, I'm allowing a sense of awkwardness to happen in this setting. So wait, I'm receiving a text message. (laughs) The PowerPoint won't load. (sighs) Oh no, it has to load. There's a picture on there I have, you see. Okay, if anyone can help um, Mr. Britos in the sound booth, and go and assist him, then they're going to work on that. While I'm going to keep going, and maybe we'll show the video in a little bit. But there's also a picture that's very important to see later. All right, so as I said, chapter 3 starts the exact way as chapter 1, talking about the second chance God. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 says, Next, God spoke to Jonah a second time. And he said, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. This time, Jonah started straight for Nineveh. That was the difference. Obeying God's orders to the letter. So back two chapters ago, it looked like this. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God but this time Jonah started straight for Nineveh the word of God came again the second time see this was a grace word this word of grace was on him the first time but he didn't take a hold of it so this was a word of grace put on him and presented before him on him Okay, I can do this. It's my second chance before him so he could complete the task at hand. On your way, Jonah. Some translations say go. Go. This go literally meant go urgently. Go. 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 Have you ever been at a kid's or maybe grandkid's soccer game or some kind of sports team and they suddenly get the ball? Like they haven't had the ball the whole time and and they're like, go, go, go. It's like that. Or it's like watching Craig uh, watch his team play hockey and they finally get the puck and he's like, Go! This was go time because there's go and then there's go! Jonah goes. He's been through some stuff. We know he's made mistakes, but this time it's different because he's going. You know, it's never a good idea to not listen to God, right? We cannot listen to the advice of a friend you know we could be like we could not listen to the advice of our doctor to eat more fruits and vegetables exercise 30 minutes a day or wear sunscreen things like that we can be like well i don't know i think i'm good but do not listen to god when he's asking you to do something it's not going to work you'll be unhappy you'll be unfulfilled you'll you'll try to be okay but there's like no long-term benefit plan here you know Eventually, you'll regret it, and more than likely, it's going to come back around again, and you'll have to do it anyway. I don't quite understand why anyone would say no to God, just personally. I don't understand that. Like, I don't have a comprehension to that. I understand the struggle sometimes and the sacrifice, but there comes a point when we've made, we've placed so much trust in Him that it doesn't really matter what he says. Because really, it's trust. That would be the thing that would limit us from saying yes to God. From th- That would be the thing that would hold us back. It's, do I trust him? And do I wanna be in control or am I willing to relinquish my control? So it's about trust and control. You're like, oh, you make it sound so easy. Listen, unless, unless you don't trust him, or want to give him control, it is easy. It only becomes hard when you're holding on to those things. This time Jonah went. See, there's a this time and there's a that time. You know what I'm saying. We have these. Remember that time? Remember that time we ate ice cream sundaes for breakfast? Oh, we thought it was such a good idea. It was so bad. I mean, just I was very little. He thought it was great, and we were like, uh, that, you know, wasn't such a hot idea. Remember that time we stayed uh, maybe with a friend all night talking? Remember that time we stole the car? Was that just me? <laughs> this time. See, we have that time, and we have this time. Remember that time we just announced a new worship pastor? We're going to have those moments where we're going to like, remember that time. See, we can't change our that time, but we can choose our this time. So what could be our this times? Are we going to show the video? We're going to show the video. It's just one more click. You didn't do what God requested. Yeah, I'd be moving too. If I was going to be done, just stay. This ain't a pretty picture. if we were all doing this. This is our second chance, God. <laughs> if you want to watch the rest of that show, it's Jonah Tales. Look it up. It's awesome. This time and that time. Remember that time. See, I wonder sometimes if that time memories haunt you, taunt you, keep you up at night caused maybe a rift in the friendship of that time we did that and it didn't cause a stunt in your growth with the Lord regrets of a missed opportunity or when just when Josiah was little I'm sure I shared this before we he when guests would come over to our home and then they would be leaving he would he was three years old and we'd be like Josiah say goodbye you know how sometimes toddlers they just don't want to say goodbye they're just like busy playing with the toys and we'd be like you're gonna miss your opportunity and then he really caught on to that for some reason maybe Scarred him a little? I'm not sure. But then forever, like, I swear, it was like years, he would cry if he didn't say goodbye, and he'd be like, I missed my opportunity. (laughs) Missed opportunities that keep us up at night, that we think about, I should have. How many times have we missed our this time? Because we failed to see what God was doing in the moment. See, we can be trapped by our past, and we can be confused by our emotions. We can can be driven by our convictions that aren't biblical convictions, and we can be misled by our feelings. But the second chance God is looking for this time Jonah's. This time Jonah went. See, Jonah didn't feel good about the Ninevites, and rightly so. I don't know if you guys remember, but they were terrible people. They skinned people alive. They buried people alive in the city walls. They cut off people's heads and would stack them in the gates. I mean, this is like horrific. This is like, as I'm saying it, no, there's no way that happened. That's what it feels like. It, you can't even connect with it because it's so horrific. See, it didn't take a prophetic word or a sense of discernment to have a red flag on these people. You know, when we're praying, well, I just have a red flag about something. You know, it was kind of like a very blatant red flag. The difference is God saw beyond it. His perspective saw more. He wasn't blind to it, but he wasn't blind by it either. See, we can miss something because we can't see it, but we can also miss something because it's all we see. Our vision needs to be through the lens of the Lord. See, we're no good as a disciple. We're no good as a Christian. We're no good as a, as a, a leader if we are driven by our emotions constantly. We will not be productive in, in discipling and in helping and guiding and even in running our own walk with the Lord if we are continually driven by emotions. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. But what a tragedy that he only had enough grace for himself. He was called, what a call, to to be the prophetic voice to save a people, the whole city. But all he saw was what was in front of him. And all he allowed himself to feel was the demonic realm that was running the city. See, Jonah was a prophet of the Lord, and he wasn't new to the call, but he wasn't expressing maturity in it either. Did God still use him? Of course. Because who God calls, he keeps that call. The call of God is irrevocable. When you're called of the Lord, he doesn't remove that call, add that call, remove that call, based on how you're doing with him. The call of the Lord stays on your life. What a grace that is. Wow. Jonah most definitely got it wrong like we, we get it wrong. And he almost killed a boatload of people in the process. Literally. Literally. We need to carry our gifts well. See, you can run with God a long time and still be a baby in your maturity. Years do not equal seniority, so to speak, in the kingdom. But Jonah's this time was now. So let's read, let's keep going in chapter 3. It says, Nineveh was a big city, very big. It took three days to walk across it. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. So he's walking and walking. I mean, that's, that's one whole day. That's already a lot. I mean, Megan, I mean, she just did like a 12-hour walk. This is not a joke. I know sometimes you might not be sure if I'm joking or serious. This is not a joke. Megan right here did a 12-hour walk. And uh, let's just say, I don't know how she did it, but like <coughs> props to you. Talk to her about it. It was just a, a really, really cool thing that she did um, spiritually spiritually. And I'm sure physically too, but it was like a spiritual thing. Um, So one day's walk, Jonah walks through. And then as he gets partway through, he cries out and begins to preach this sermon that God gave him. This sermon. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The people of Nineveh listened. They trusted God. They proclaimed a citywide fast and dressed in burlap to show their repentance. Everyone did it. Rich and poor, famous and obscure, leaders and followers. And when, then the message reached the king. And he gets up off his throne. He throws down his royal robes. And then he pulls out his burlap. And he wraps it around himself. And it says that he literally sit down. He sat down in the dirt with his burlap. And then he issued a public proclamation throughout Nineveh, authorized by him and his leaders. He said, not one drop of water, not one bite of food for man, woman, or animal, including your herds and flocks. Dress them all, both people and animals, in burlap, and send up a cry for help to God. If this were today, it would look something like this. That's peaches. I asked her to help me with my sermon so you would know what it would look like if you had to dress your animals in burlap. She even was playing the part she looks so sad because she's had no water and no food for days. I'm just kidding, I didn't do that. I didn't just- Everyone must turn around, turn back from an evil life and the violent ways that stain their hands. Who knows, the scripture says. And the people were saying, maybe God, the king was saying, maybe God will turn around and change his mind about us. Quit being angry with us and let us live. God saw what they had done, how they had turned from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. See, everyone did it. Everyone. No one felt. This doesn't apply to me. See, the second chance God is looking for a this time people. Have you ever been listening to a message and thinking about all the people it applies to? That's not what was happening here. They all did it. What an extreme thing. How on earth, I wonder, did did Jonah and the king get all these violent, troubled, unbalanced, demonically driven people to suddenly stop doing the life they were doing. And then, you know, wrap themselves, start fasting, not drinking, wrap in burlap in the dirt and cry out in repentance. How did, like. That was their whole life that they knew, those crazy things I talked about earlier. How? Jonah, eight words he preached after walking a third of the way in the city in potentially silence. Five words in Hebrew. So in his language, it was five words. I bet some of you are wishing I had the Jonah anointing right now. (laughs) Five words, I'm done. Forty more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. He proclaimed, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown, or some translations say overturned. Now this word, overthrown, or overturned, in the Hebrew language is a word that has a double meaning. For instance, we have lots of words like that. Like like if I were to say a bar, you don't know if I mean a candy bar, a bar of soap, a crowbar, a bar you go in where there's drinks. You, You don't know what I'm talking about, a gold bar. That would be nice, right? A gold bar. A bar has different meanings. So this word was used by Jonah because God gave it to him specifically to use in the sermon. And it is the word hafa. Hafa. In 40 days you will be hafa. It's a double meaning word. It can either mean overthrown and destroyed or overthrown changed. So the prophetic message from God was literally this, 40 days and you will be either destroyed or forever changed. Now, did the people of Nineveh know which version of the word he was using? I don't know if they knew. I feel like they probably didn't. I mean, if I just said the word bar, you don't know what I'm talking about unless I were to explain it more. But it was a double meaning word. See, there had been a lot of that time moments for the Ninevites. Lots of that time moments. There was memories in the city of the mess, the mistakes they've made. The people thinking as they're in this, they're wrapped in their burlap, they're sitting in the dirt, their animals are hungry, they're hungry, and they're thinking about all the mistakes and all the pain that they've caused. I'd imagine there was a lot of sobbing, a lot of crying, a lot of deep remorse. The king, what was he thinking? Of all the that times he let the city continue on and on and on and on. Were there moments where he just wished he would have the courage to make it stop? All the times he could have done something. Jonah, as he's preaching this message, thinking about that time before when I said no. And then I had to do the whole fish thing. And that was awful. See, here he is preaching this five-Hebrew-word sermon as everyone just freezes and listens, as regret memories fill their minds, all different but so similar in their pain. And they look around, and all they see is this horrible city they've created, and then they stop to feel it all at once, and the hollow hole in their lives, the emptiness, unfulfilled, the fear, the guilt, the shame, Jonah's five Hebrew words ringing loud and clear, 40 days, 40 days, that's the timeline. Then it's over. Hey, remember that time we started running out of time? Yesterday we thought we had forever. Now we have 40 days. And then the king, the king is like, no. We, I don't know exactly what this message, this sermon means. But I know one thing, we're not taking any chances here. And he wraps himself and he issues a proclamation across the entire city. He said, everyone's going to do this, including your animals. And then then they all started doing this. See, the second chance God is looking for a this time leader. This time leaders. See, to be honest, I wonder if that happened in our society today, how we would respond. If suddenly our president or politician or city someone said hey we're going to stop doing things the way and we're going to do it completely different like would we like, be like they have literally lost their mind i wonder how we'd react i mean it's easy for us to be like of course they listened to the king of course they stopped chopping off heads and burying people alive and get, like but for them it was their only way of life and they flipped on a switch would we respond? I wonder, would we flip on this? Or would we think there's something wrong with that leader? He's, he's having a mental breakdown because that's not, that's not normal to just change like that. But the second chance God is looking for this time leaders. You're that leader to stand up in a situation that's been gone wrong a long time and to say, this is now the Everyone must turn around. He said, turn back from the evil life and violent ways that stain your hands. Who knows? Maybe God will turn around and change his mind. Maybe God will change his mind. Maybe God will change his mind. Does that sound weird to anyone else? Maybe God will change his mind. Does God change his mind? There are a couple places in scripture where it talks about God repenting or changing his mind. In Exodus 32, it says, so the Lord changed his mind about the harm he said he would do. In Amos seven thirteen, it says, the Lord changed his mind about this. And here in Jonah, the king wonders if God will change his mind. However, in, in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. As he has said, will he not do it? And as he has spoken, will he not make good? So does God change his mind? Because it apparent contradictions. However, the Bible has no contradictions. So does God do things that he has to change his mind or have to repent of? And how are we supposed to understand that in light of this contradiction? Apparent. If the Bible is the inerrant, God breathed scripture that we can stand upon in every situation, what do we do with this? If God is perfect, What do we do with this statement? See, the doctrine of God is the most important doctrine for us to understand. In Christianity, we must know who God is, what his character is, and what he has done and will do. This sets up our whole understanding of other crucial doctrines like the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like our mistakes, our sin, or like our salvation, how we are made right with him again. The doctrine of God. So how we view this rightly is so important. So does the omniscient, does the immutable God change his mind? When reading the Bible, and I know this is like like we, we were in the story. Now we're going to get a little bit of teaching. But I just really want you to have a good foundation here. Before we, so that you understand this. When we read in the Bible, we have to have proper Hermeneutics Hermeneutics is the interpretation of Scripture. We can't read a verse and say, well, what does this mean to you? Without first knowing what the author intended it to mean and who they were talking to. So our belief system must be on the entirety of Scripture, not just a one-off verse. So Scripture will interpret Scripture. Okay? There's no contradictions in the Bible. We know that. Because God is all-knowing and he is unchanging character. So here's a few things. When interpreting the Bible, you must know the context of the passage, the literary form of the passage, what it was written in, who the author is addressing, the basics of historical context, and then you always interpret the more difficult passage of Scripture in light of the clearer. And historical narratives... Passages should be interpreted by didactic, which is instructional or teaching passages. You're like, wow, <laughs> I just read the Bible. <laughs> this seems hard. A lot of this will happen kind of naturally as you're reading it, okay? Especially if you read the chapters before, the chapters, and you're getting yourself a picture, okay? So it's not actually that complicated. It's just important to be aware of. So when we read, for instance, if we were going to read the historical narrative of Joshua and the battle of Jericho, we're going to read that so much differently than if we're reading poetry in Song of Solomon. Right? Right? Do you understand now the difference? So we read about God being our fortress. We know that based on proper hermeneutics, it's not saying that God is literally a castle fortress. right? Right? Because it's poetry. It's a picture to help us understand it's poetry not history he's not a historical castle <laughs> that's so so that, that's what i'm saying that some of these things just come a little natural literary form is a concept that helps us it could be a parable a poem a narrative prophecy and we we have to ask is this verse that i'm reading literal figurative or even anthropomorphic language you're like whoa these words today anthropomorphic language well what is anthropomorphic language That is when God describes himself in human-like descriptions. So we know, because John 4, 24 says that God is spirit. We know that. So when in the Bible it says that God stretched out his hand, we know, or, or like we're in the shadow of his wing. We know that it's not a literal human hand or a literal wing. He's describing it in that way to give us a grasp of the concept. It's using anthropomorphic language, describing God in human like descriptions. It's a means to help us relate and understand what he's saying to a small degree because we can't fully understand God. We never will, and we just have to be okay with that. So, in light of all this, did God change his mind? Does our all perfect, all knowing, unchanging God change? The Ninevites said they believed God. They said, who knows, maybe God will change his mind. Who can tell, one translation says, and they amplified, maybe God may turn and revoke or relent, which is the other way of saying change his mind. In verse 10, God saw what he had done, turned from their lives, and he did change his mind. It says he relented of the disaster that he declared that he would bring on them. If this verse is read with proper hermeneutics, it would look, If it, sorry, if it's read with not proper hermeneutics, it would look like out of anger, God sent this destruction on the Ninevites, because he just, he saw them the way they were, and it just, it was what it was, and then it surprised him, and then he had to change his mind and repent of the evil that he put on. But when referring to the changing of mind here in this, this Hebrew word is the word Nahum. Nahum. It's translated relent and it means comforted. So it is not a changing of mind like we'd be like, oh, I changed my mind. I'm not going to do that. It is a relent or comforting against them. I am comforting now against them, not changing of mind. So we can rightly say that as the Ninevites repented, God comforted and eased his judgment upon them. Based on their current standing with him. In the Amplified, verse 10 says, he did not do it for he was comforted and eased concerning them. So as we know, we know a couple things. One, there's a little bit of with Jonah's message, in 40 days the city will be overturned, overthrown. With the word hafa, destroyed or changed. We know, well, uh, did the people know? Maybe not. Did What was God meaning? Mm-mm, I don't know. It's a double meaning word. But we also know that he actually did declare this calamity on them. Because it was deserved. Because they were evil. God intended it. But as we now see that their response and their change of heart to him, now his nature could not allow this destruction because God has perfect nature and he is just and he is forgiving. And yes, he is holy and when we are in separation from him, his holiness demands that we are separated from him. But when we come into right standing with him, there is no mark on us. We are made right in him. So he comforts his judgment upon us and brings us into relationship with him. So that destruction cancels. See, when the Bible says God changed his mind or repented, it's not saying he made a mistake because he wasn't sure how it would turn out. Because God is all-knowing. When God says it changes his mind, it's speaking in human terms, like I mentioned, anthropomorphism. God knows all things in advance, so nothing can take him off guard. And he can't make mistakes. He never gets new information wow, that was surprising. He never says that. However, he interacts with us in real time. In real time. So even though he knows everything down the line, 10, 15 years, tomorrow, he interacts in real time. He does not interact with us today on the basis of the mistake we may commit next week. Today, if we are walking in obedience and fellowship with him, God chooses to not act on what he knows is coming but to act in real time. In the same way, if we are not living in alignment with him, and we are are in opposition to him, but he knows that we are going to repent and we're going to make it right, he doesn't treat us as he would treat us once we make it right. He deals with us in real time. How confusing would it be to us if he was like all over the map with his timing? Because we live in real time. He's outside of time. He doesn't change because events have caught him off guard. But now this aspect of his character is more fitting to express than it was earlier because the conditions are now different. So here with the Ninevites, no longer was destruction the means of justice. It wasn't required anymore. But this time, forgiveness and comfort. See, the second chance God was embracing this time city the cries of prayer the cries of repentance of the people unlocking the destiny that had already been decreed over them but they never accessed up to that point and jonah's message initiated the turn of their hearts and the cry to god released it come on see john first john 514 says this is the confidence we have in him that if we have to ask anything according to his will, it will be done. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. See, there's power in prayer. There's power in our cries to him. No matter where we are in a situation or how, how bad we've gone, how far we've gone, there's power in our prayers to him. And the Bible says we will receive things asked in alignment with him. We will. So now you're like, "Well, does prayer, does that change God's mind? hear some of you asking that no God is completely sovereign he's already decreed what would take place but he does use our prayers as a means of carrying out his will you're hearing what I'm saying he already knew you were going to pray it he leads you to partner with him in prayer There's power in our prayers. It's not fate. It's not, well, whatever will be. No, 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 no. There is a drawing to his presence. There is a cry that goes out in prayer. He is moved by our prayers. It does change our outcomes. It doesn't change his mind, but it does move his hand. Okay? He is our second chance God. He is our second chance God. And we have a this-time moment. lots of things that could go through your mind. Remember that time I did this? Remember that time I said that, made that mistake, walked out on this situation? Remember that time? All of our that times lead us to this time. See, it doesn't matter how many that time mistakes you made. He's here right now. This time. See, it's our call today. It's my call for me and it's your call for you. Is it your go time? Is it your go time? Because there's go and then there's go, go, go. See, God sees you. He sees you. He's here with the grace ready for your second chance. You're like, for me, it's like 45th chance. That's okay. I say second chance and. A loose form of the word. He's ready. He has the grace available for you, for your chances, and for you to accomplish it this time. Why don't we just bow our heads and just uh, close our eyes for a moment? If you're here this morning and you don't currently have a relationship with Jesus, or you had one at one point but you just feel like I don't know anymore. I've made a lot of mistakes and I just I just want to make it right. I just want to know this time. I just want to know. And you're ready in this moment to make that commitment to him. I just want you to just slip up your hand so I can pray pray for you if you're here today. Thank you. If you're here and you feel a call, there's been a call in your life and you've been just kind of going around and going around. And you've been trapped in cycles of wait, maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure, better offers. And you're like, I'm just so tired of just not following Jesus 100%. And I just, I want to make the most of this time. that's you, just just slip up your hand. Okay. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Yeah. I'm going to pray with you. And as I pray this morning, I want you with all of your heart just to take a hold of the message of the truth of the gospel that's been presented to you today. That's saying that God is for you he is your second chance God. He has been looking for you. He has been waiting for you. He has had this date on the calendar right here today. This did not come by surprise to him. He knew the last time when you said no and you walked the other way, he knew this time was coming. He knew it was be today. So I want you with, with, with the, just a full realization of our loving, full of grace, Father in heaven. To embrace all the forgiveness, all the love, and the grace afforded to you today. Because there is no limits for you today. And he will not just forgive you and, and 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 set you in right standing, but he will empower you today with the grace to move forward today. So let's pray. Father, I pray. I pray for... The ones here this morning that is like, you know what, I just first and foremost, I want to make my right, my life right with you. I don't, I don't want to live uh, in opposition to you. I don't even want to live like casually with you. But I want to give you my full heart. And I pray, I thank you that the moment that hand went up, it was done. It was done. And a celebration went off in heaven. <laughs> Come on. A celebration of your goodness and your welcoming home. You are good. And, Father, I pray for all the hands that say, you know what? This is my time. I want to live for Jesus. I want to do it all. I want to go all the way. I want to go, go, go. This is my time. I pray right now for a supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit, of the grace and the anointing and the strength to carry it out. I pray for people to come alongside and support and encourage and to be in their cheering section. I pray for walls of fire around each one that when they are are, are being threatened by the attack of the enemy, when they are being lied to and said, you can't do this, when they are being pushed in one direction or another or disappointment or this or that, that the wall of fire of the Lord would come up against them and say, "No, no, 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 not this time. Not this time. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We pray that everything that's been done in our hearts today, those dreams that have been lit again, we pray that you would seal them with the work of the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to accomplish your will in this earth.